All right, Kurt, this is it's weird times here in Chicago. A lot of Bears fans aren't used to, you know, wholesale changes and GMs making moves. Ryan Poles, he had tough decisions to make, trading away Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith. I know everything is a calculated risk in the NFL as a GM trying to see what's going to work and what's going to not. It's going to take some time, but what was your take on, on him with those trades, both those trades, and how it's going to impact the Bears? Well, I mean, I think it's very easy to uh, to look with a small scope uh, as a fan or even an analyst, and you look at this Bears team and you go, okay, I don't want to say the cupboard's bare, but, but you know, they're not filled with talent across the board. So when you make moves like the Robert Quinn or the Roquan Smith, you know, you sit back and you go, what, what are you doing? Like, these are a couple of your best players. How can you let them go when, you know, there's not a great deal of talent necessarily across the board on this team. And I think the hardest thing for anybody as a fan, and again, even as an analyst, because as an analyst that played the game, you're so much fixed in on right now. Like everything is about right now. I'm playing, I'm here. This is all that matters is this moment right now, as opposed to understanding general managers and big picture ideas where it's like, okay, we're not ready to win a championship right now. Like we're not. And, you know, I don't know when that's going to be two, three years down the road. And will Roquan Smith be here? Can we pay him the money that he's going to ask for to keep him a piece of this while we build what we believe can be a championship roster? And those are the questions that everybody else answers that we don't have to answer as fans and we don't have to answer as analysts um, that make us look at some of these trades and go, what are we doing? What, what are we thinking here? But you know, you have to understand that sometimes you're on a three-year plan and you've got to project things out three years and go, okay, if we keep so-and-so right now, what does that mean for us three years from now? Where are we limited three years from now uh, in what we want to do? Maybe that's signing Justin Fields to a huge contract at that point in time. How are we hindered by certain positions and certain guys if we decide to up them and pay them uh, you know, what they're asking for at this point in time. Um, and so I, I think those are always the hard things because, uh, again, you know, every fan base wants to win right now. They want to win every game and they can only see things through that lens. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, some other people have to see way, way beyond that and try to project out how this thing could play out with draft picks, you know, potential contracts, like I said, for, for your quarterback, um, and then just how these pieces are going to fit in long-term with where their age is, what we think they're going to be three years from now. And, and those things get really, really hard for us. Well, speaking of Justin, I think that you've been very vocal and honest just about his play on the football field and what you like about his game, what he needs to improve. So far, we've seen this offense here in Chicago kind of trend upwards as of the last three weeks. Talk about the progression that you've seen in Justin Fields from week one of the season to week nine. Um, well, I mean, I think you've seen some adjustments in the offense to play to his strengths. And I'm a guy that likes to analyze the position big picture. And I like to look at the position based on what I think wins in the National Football League. Not necessarily what a team can do right now or, or you know, even necessarily what a quarterback is, is great at. The question has to be become what's sustainable. And, you know, what can you do long-term? And does this formula 
lend itself to you being successful in a championship type team. So what I've seen with them the last few weeks is they're trending upwards because they are playing to Justin Fields strengths and his athleticism and, and playing, uh, you know, in that regard. The question that I always ask when that's the case is a is Justin a transcendent talent like a Lamar Jackson, where you can live in this world, you can build around this world and you can expect that to be sustainable year in, year out, year in, year out and make you a championship team. I mean, first of all, we haven't even seen it from Lamar Jackson, MVP and all that. We haven't seen them push for that championship quite yet, playing football, run first, even with their quarterback, and then allowing the, the pass game to be a complimentary piece to it. Because when you play good teams, they're usually pretty good at taking away what you're really good at and forcing you to win another way. So I go back and forth a little bit with where Chicago is, is that I fully understand. Let's play to Justin's strengths. Let's show that we can have some success. Let's build the confidence in the locker room. But I also understood where they were going earlier in the year from the standpoint of going, but we still believe that that position has to be able to play inside the pocket, has to be able to make the layups, and has to be able to, 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 be able to win games in that manner if we're going to be championship contenders year in and year out. So I think you have to fight that balance of going, what level of success do we want to have now? And if we're going to choose to go that route, A, does it, does it, um, you know, does it stymie the success of our young quarterback because we're not forcing him to have to learn the other way? Um, you know, and B, can, can we make sure that while we're having success now, we're making sure that we're building towards something we believe can be a year in, year out, sustainable way of playing offense to be competitive year in and year out. And, and those things I think are hard is, you know, playing to these guys' strengths. Because we see a lot of the guys, not just Justin, we see a lot of guys in this league that are really, really athletically talented quarterbacks. But we have yet to see many of those guys compete year in, year out for a championship. Because I still believe you have to be able to throw the football and win inside the pocket to compete for championships in this business. And the other stuff is awesome. The other stuff is great complimentary pieces and gives us something special, but you have to be able to do that. And, you know, again, I, I wasn't a guy that, that had both skills, so I can't sit back and say, okay, this is the right balance. Let's do this much with Justin athletically, and then let's make sure that we, you know, we, we grow him as a passer this much. I don't know what that right mix is, but I see a number of teams trying to figure it out. And, you know, once somebody does, then I think other people can pick and choose from that and go, okay, this is what they did with Lamar Jackson. And this has worked for them. And this is how they built it. Let's model that. We just haven't seen that modeled very well. I mean, I, again, I use the Ravens because I think they're the best example of completely building around an athletic running quarterback uh, with the three tight ends and, and with the power run game and making him a viable part in the run game week in and week out. And he's been able to sustain that for the most part, until the injury last year. Um, but that's the other factor, right? Is can a guy like Justin Fields, if they're going to put him in harm's way that much, can he stay healthy? He's a bigger, longer guy. You know, a, a guy that I'm not sure can avoid as many hits as Lamar Jackson. And so it's fascinating to me because I think there's a lot of teams that are trying to figure out this balance between tremendous athleticism 
and then coupling that with being a good enough pocket passer to be able now to have something really, really special. I think that is the, the biggest balance of all this when I look at it. I mean, I'm fascinated by how Luke Getze finds a way to balance running him where he is so strong right now, but also protecting him from himself and some of those big hits that could cost his health as not only the season goes down along, but also yeah. as his career goes along. It's just, it's it's hard to sustain all of that. But yeah, because, listen, because it seems it, too. like yeah, when, we're go, project, when we're projecting this out three and four years, that's another factor is how many of these guys are so special athletically that they can be the same athlete now at 23, 24, that they're going to be at 26, 27, and then maybe at 29 and 30. Like, where does that, you know, again, I think Lamar Jackson is as special as we've ever seen at the position athletically. And I think he's going to be kind of that, you know, that marker to go, okay, let's see him when he's 26. Can he be the same guy that we had when we, when he was 23 or now does everything have to change and shift to, to what, you know, what he's capable of doing now. And, and so that to me is going to be the fascinating part of it is these guys get further and further based on athleticism and, and, and talent. We see guys getting picked number one overall. We see guys winning Heisman's in college and it's primarily because they're tremendous athletes and, and gifted throwers, but not necessarily great quarterbacks as of yet. And so they get further and further without having to learn some of that other stuff. But you just have to believe that physically it's going to catch up to them, and especially those that aren't the Lamar Jacksons, right? Those that aren't the Kyler Murrays and even a Kyler Murray, a smaller guy, you just don't know how long. And so if that number is 26 or 27, where now they're not the, you know, the most gifted athlete on the football field when they step on the field, now, where are we and how much have we grown our quarterback to say we can still have success with him, even if he's not the same athletic quarterback or can do the same things athletically that we were asking him to do three or four years ago? Well, with Ryan Poles, a lot of this, though, Kurt, from the beginning of the season, people were upset here in Chicago because they felt like he didn't do enough to put around Justin for him to be successful going into the season with some of the, the wide receivers, skill position players that he brought in. But now with these trades, now they find out from going from sellers to, to buyers and they bring in Chase Claypool. What do you think his presence is going to mean for Justin Fields? Well, um, again, I look at Chase Claypool overall. I think he's a very gifted, athletic wide receiver. I don't necessarily think he's a complete wide receiver, a guy that you know wins with route running, a guy that's going to you know create a whole bunch of separation to make life necessarily easier from that standpoint on a Justin Fields, but he's a good 50-50 guy. So, you know, in those situations where, you know, we can put the ball up and, and Justin can lay the ball to him, I think he's going to make some plays for his quarterback. Uh, I'm just not sure, again, I'm not sure he's a number one guy. So when we talk about pieces around Justin Fields, I'm not sure he has a true number one guy that you say, hey, anytime I get one-on-one, -on -one, this guy is going to win no matter what we ask him to do. They've got some good pieces. Uh, and I think Claypool is another good piece, uh, chess piece that you can use in different ways. Um, but uh, I still think at some point, you've got to surround your, you know, your young quarterback with a guy um, that is a difference maker at that position and a guy that everybody around the league goes, okay, 
we know where the go-to guy is. And, you know, I'll use a couple examples, Joe Burrow and, and Kyler Murray. When those guys have Jamar Chase and DeAndre Hopkins on the field, they're different quarterbacks. And the stats bear it out. Why? Because in that in the nature of playing, they put those guys as what we call the X receiver, the one-on-one -on -one receiver on the backside. You got three receivers to the right. You got Jamar Chase and you got DeAndre Hopkins to the left one-on-one. -on -one. And what those guys do is basically say, anytime you give me one-on-one -on -one back there, I'm throwing it to my guy because my guy's better than your guy. And I don't have to worry about reading coverages. I don't have to worry about delineating between this three-man concept over here, who I should throw to and all the timing. Forget all that tough stuff and let me go back here and play one-on-one -on -one football, use my gifts, use that guy's gifts, and that's where we're successful. And so that is a difference-making proposition for any young quarterback to simplify the game and to be able to allow them to have some natural success within the system without always having to see and think the game while they're learning the game. And so when you don't have that, um, now again, you've got to think more, you've got to see more, you've got to be able to react and be on time more uh, when you don't have a guy that can cover up some of those things. And so those guys have benefited, benefited greatly in their young careers, having that guy uh, you know, on the backside for them. And I think any young quarterback would benefit from having that. And it's one thing Justin hasn't had since he's been there, a, a guy that he can just count on and, and simplify the game for him.